Good morning, good afternoon, good night to you, dear, dear listener of the Love Today podcast. Thank you so much for making it to this new episode of the podcast. Um, and I'm certainly so, so glad that you're here, that you're listening. And I hope that in this little hour or so that we'll share together, um, that you'll learn something, that you'll grow, that you'll find some peace amidst the chaos of everyday life. Um, and if if that happens, then my my goal, my dharma, as the Zen Buddhists would say, will be accomplished. And so now I'd like to introduce the, the guest for this episode of the Love Today podcast, the amazing and vibrant and exuberant <laughs> Desmond Jackson. Uh, Desmond is a, a very, very good friend of mine uh, who inspires me uh, truly ever since the first day I, I met him with his and, and you'll hear um, his really uh, positive energy, his his exuberance, as I just mentioned, and he's just he's just amazing. Um, Desmond is a writer, director, producer, uh, who is currently a graduate directing student at Chapman University, and who is working towards achieving his goal of becoming a feature film director. Ultimately, with his films, Desmond hopes to unite, inspire, and leave audiences with a nuanced understanding of the African diaspora. While living in LA, and this is how we met, um, Desmond has participated in the Academy Gold program, and in 2020 became certified as a story analyst with the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences. Additionally, his first horror short at Chapman was recently accepted into a film festival in New York City. And there's so much more to Desmond, so much more, so many layers, <laughs> so many achievements uh, that we'll talk about in the in the podcast as well. Um, and yeah, it's just amazing. In the podcast, we talk about uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, its origins, and where um, where true change really lies um, instead of just band-aid change as, as he describes it and change as a whole changing the system as a whole i also asked desmond uh, what uh, we can do to be better allies to the black community um, and he gives such brilliant answers to that as well um, and talking about colonized groups and how we can work together to really create lasting change. We, we talk about Desmond's filmmaking journey uh, from starting to from actor to producer to film director. Uh, storytelling is an act of revolution. Um, Desmond shares with us his own practice of Xiyong, which is a form of energy work and we go uh, in depth um, in that in the in the episode. Um, and yeah, it's just really wonderful conversation. Uh, I left I left the conversation feeling uh, inspired, feeling motivated to keep going. Um, and yeah, more more aware of of do's and don'ts along the path uh, to be a better, not just a better creator um, or a writer, but a better human being. Um, more more aware of of what needs to be done, you know, to to create a better future and better present for everyone. And yeah, I think that's I think that's a good intro. Um, it's going to be an amazing episode. Uh, be sure to check out the show notes uh, for many links that I'm going to post of Desmond's work uh, that he's that he's created in the past and and other items as well. 
Uh, I am so grateful um, that that you listen to this to this podcast. It really means the world to me. And yeah, you know, I hope I hope that it's it's helping you better love your today. <laughs> yeah, that it's a good title. It's a good title. I think it works pretty pretty well. Um, uh, okay, awesome. Enough enough chit chat. Let's get right into it. This is Desmond Jackson in a storytelling revolution. Have you been higher than this? There's so many things that are worth dressing for. Therefore, you've got to hold on to hope and just hope to explode into happiness. I really hope you succeed. Have you been higher than this? An unpopular artist that started by singing the jazz and then grew to hip hop. It's an art, it's a beautiful way to express your beliefs. There's many voices in my head. Welcome, Desmond, to the Love Today podcast. I am so, so excited to be talking to you today. Um, you've been up to so much during this pandemic, uh, and it's just so wonderful to, to be able to reconnect with you in this form. Uh, I know it's going to be a really good one, so I'm really excited for everyone listening to to hear what you have to say and your experiences. And um, yeah, it's just a pleasure. Thank you for being on. Thank you. No, I'm happy to be on, you know, uh, like we were just saying, gold fam for life, Fernando. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we got to uh, stick together. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to share. Awesome. So you're a filmmaker, uh, among many, many other things, but uh, you just finished a shoot during the pandemic. So that's that's pretty that's crazy. Um, and tell me how you went about it, what you learned from it, what were the challenges, you know, because even like shooting a film in normal times is already stressful enough. So how did you manage? How, how, how did you grow from this? Yeah, well, I, I got to say, you know, for me, uh, first and foremost, I wanted to put uh, everyone's health and safety uh, mm -hmm. as a priority. So I bought uh, automatic hand sanitizers, gloves, masks. Um, and then I also kept in mind, you know, also for budgetary reasons, but I had to keep the crew very small. Um, and so that kind of just ended up working out, man. Like, you know, wanted to make sure everyone was safe, you know, made sure they were fed. We were out in the sun <laughs> a lot. Um, so we were only indoors for pretty much just one scene. Um, and you know, this is, it was a very short film, only a one minute short film. Um, but you know, I still had all these scenes cause it's like a montage sequence. So, so yeah, man, we were outside for most of it. Um, the apartment stuff, we we socially distanced, um, made sure everyone was safe and healthy. So yeah, that was my priority, man. And uh, I think it, the project came out very well. I'm like super happy, and I uh, can't wait to like post it on social media for everyone to see. Yeah, I'm, it's definitely gonna be in the show notes for this episode as well once it's out. Um, and and could you give us a, a quick blog line without spoiling too much about what the what the film is about? Yeah. Oh, without spoiling it, uh, you know, the, simp <laughs> the simplest way to do it without spoiling it is a uh, uh, a black uh, war veteran. Uh, he suffers from PTSD, and that leads him to make a certain decision. Uh, won't say what that decision is for uh, <laughs> for like as far as like I said, it's only a minute. Um, yeah. But I really wanted to do the film in honor of Drejan Reed, who was recently killed mm -hmm. uh, by police back in May 2020. And um, his story really resonated with me when I heard about it. And, um, you know, for some reason, you know, there, there's unfortunately been a lot of uh, police murders uh, this year. Um, and yeah. so, but for whatever reason, Dre Jean's story really spoke to me. 
Um, and I just, yeah, I just wanted to dedicate the film to him because I feel like he, his name was kind of getting lost amidst all the others. So, so yeah, I'm hoping I, I did it justice. He was an Air Force veteran. Um, he was very young, only 21 years old. Wow. Um, so yeah, it was just, um, yeah, I just wanted to do the film in his honor. So yeah. No, that's, that's powerful. And I think it goes to speak to the, to power of art has, you know, in, in really sharing messages or stories that need to be told. Uh, for healing, for empowerment, for all these different reasons. Um, and and which goes right along to the next question I had, which was relating to the Black Lives Matter movement and it, the impact it has had in your life and how it has shifted your perspective, uh, perhaps, in, in the way you go about uh, America, you know, um, how you think it's changing. Um, I feel like it's very... I'm not there right now. I mean, I wish I was, but... Um, I feel like the country is changing very rapidly, sometimes very chaotically. And so uh, I'm just really interested in hearing your perspective on, on, on that, um, this new movement. Well, it's not new, but this new resurgence of really um, radical change, I feel that's happening or that the, the call for it is, is much more uh, loud and, 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 and mm -hmm. much more powerful than it, than it was, uh, uh, than it ever has, I feel. Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, first and foremost, I feel like, you know, I've always had this a very strong African-centered perspective on things. And so even, you know, years ago, even back in high school, I was always very, you know, pro-Black and everything. So I, I think my my gaze when it comes to like African-centered, uh, you know, material and looking at it through that lens, mm -hmm. um, I've always wanted to ask, you know, the deeper questions of like, you know, why is this happening? Like, um why now? And so I think, you know, you've seen, I think we're experiencing this kind of resurgence within uh, a pro-Black political movement because, you know, we've, we've been stuck inside with COVID and we, we don't, we, we can't, we aren't able to distract ourselves anymore from it because we're like forced to not, uh, you know, deal with life's everyday problems. And so like, it's just hitting us right in the face. And so I think that's been one of the main reasons um, why the movement has kind of like sparked a resurgence. You know, with Black Lives Matter specifically, you know, I think I've allowed myself to be able to critique what the movement has done. And without getting into the nitty gritty, it's like, I would just say you, you have to follow where the money is. <laughs> I think with any organization, you have to follow where the money is. And, you know, if you look at Black Lives Matter as an organization, you know, it's funded by a lot of like wealthy millionaires uh, and a lot of wealthy corporations. And so... If you look historically, you'll tend to find multimillionaire corporations don't tend to have Black people's best interests at heart. And so I think what's happening is that you're seeing a lot of uh, organizations express sympathy uh, and wanting to, you know, help, um, you know, change the ongoing crisis that's going on. Uh, I wouldn't even call it a crisis. It's just been an ongoing symptomatic thing of, you know, white institutions. Yeah, so since I, the very beginning, since the very beginning of the country. Exactly. And so I think you really have to look at it from that lens of like, okay, like they want to help black people almost, you know, as for me, it seems like without really empowering black people. And so mm. and when I say by that, you know, you, you have all these, um, you know, very great, very, um, you know, diversity initiatives, but, you know, sometimes that tends to be just a band-aid uh, towards the real change that African people are seeking. And so 
Um, and, and just to sum it all up, I would just say, you know, I think it, it's on all black people uh, and all people of color to really understand and look at what these organizations are really doing and what change they're really bringing about. Because, mm. you know, a lot of times we're, we're, we're giving these kind of like participation trophies, for lack of a better word. Um, just like, okay, like we, we want to help. Here's, here's this, here's some money here, here's some money here. But like, is that really stopping the system uh, that's already been in place for, for hundreds of years? Uh, because, you know, there was a civil rights movement, you know, back in yeah. the 60s and people were marching and protesting and, you know, we're still experiencing the same thing. And so um, I think, you know, back then, uh, you know, we were giving given what I consider to be part participation trophies. Okay. Okay. Like we want to stop this. Like, here you go. Like, we don't, we don't want you to cause any more ruckus. So we'll give you what you're asking for. But even now, I think, like I said, going back, like it's up to African people to really understand, like, what are we really asking for? Like, are we asking for band-aids? Are we, are we, do we really want to go and create real change? And sometimes that's going to require us to, stick together and come up with the solutions on our own um, and not look to these organizations to, you know, give us these trophies per se. So um, that's kind of my, my, my thoughts about it. I think, you know, I, not to dismiss what Black Lives Matter is doing in, in totality, but, you know, I would say that the solution they're providing or attempting to provide is not long lasting, in my opinion. And again, that goes back to like, look at where the money is coming from. Look at what they're doing with painting Black Lives Matters on streets. And, you know, why are we painting streets instead of doing, you know, something else, you know, helping out working class uh, Black people. So that's just my yeah. two cents on it. Um, no. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's very, it's, it's really um, eye-opening what you're saying right now, because, I mean, you always see like on, on Instagram, like all the posts, like all the protests and everything. But I feel like there's always layers underneath what we're shown in the media or what we're shown in an Instagram post. And there's like, mm -hmm. like you were saying, like so much history rooted in it. Um, and so many lessons you can learn from previous, like I had no idea what you just told me about uh, the, the, the tracing the money in the black lives matter um, organization or movement, whatever you want to call it. Um, um, and that's, that's really powerful. I had no idea. And, and so what, and this is a very broad question maybe, but what do you think is, is something that uh, as allies we can do to like actually create that change? Um, well, allies and, and, and black people as well, obviously, mm -hmm. but uh, to create that change that, 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 that needs to be made, you know, more than just um, an Instagram uh, story post or, uh, you know, like a, a stuff like that that like is very contained in the in the um, in the social media um platform but it i feel personally that it doesn't there has to be more than that because i i did this like thing where like i, I logged out of instagram for well, i did this thing i just logged out of instagram for like a month um and it was crazy how like once i logged out it felt like i, I was leaving almost like a kingdom where the things that happened in that kingdom like appear to be real and ever present but when you log out and you like walk away from the barriers you realize like oh wait it's it's not it's all virtual like it's not going to last for very long and the real change happens outside of those platforms so um i'm wondering if you have any any 
what you've done or what you think uh, would, be, would be much more uh, efficient in bringing about change or uh, uh, equality? Yeah. yeah. I think, um, man, it's such a, it's a broad question, but I, I want to tackle it kind of like step by step. You know, for yeah. one, I would say, you know, to black people, all African people, I, I would say, and this is what I've been doing a lot this whole summer is just reading. I've been reading um, a lot of books that really dissect African philosophies and like really dissect the problems we've been going through over the course of history. And I'll say this, you know, a lot of the things I'm reading are not put out into the media. Uh, They are not uh, books that are widely advocated for, but they're still great works that are still, they're great scholarly works that, you know, really delve into the issues and problems we're facing. So I think, you know, to black people, that's, that's what I would say first and foremost. And I think to other, other colonized groups, you know, it's going to take I think it's going to take all different subsections of cultures to really understand, you know, the roots of their culture and then to try to actively attempt and try to, you know, build a coalition and work towards that culture. I think, Hmm. you know, a lot of times, you know, what you see is that, you know, a lot of other groups want to help black people, but sometimes, you know, we as black people, I feel it's like lean on those groups too much. And then that kind of muddles, you know, the change we're asking for, the change we really need. And so I think there can be allyship in the ways of like, you know, stand up and speak out against things. But you, I think it's still up to individuals to really allow each subsection of culture to be like, okay, like you guys work together, you guys work together. We can all work within our own like specific ethnic groups or colonized groups to, you know, build ourselves up and then we can then come together Mm. and then try to tackle these issues but i think a lot of times you know when we try to come before that collective action within our own groups a lot of times you know i'll say this we we all uh you know under you know white institutions uh white institutionality we all have like colonial contradictions that have been instilled in us you know from birth and so me, my, myself included, like, and those are things I've actively been working against to, you know, change. And yeah. so a lot of the times that can, that manifests in different people and different ethnic groups in very different ways. And so you'll see that, you know, uh, a Latinx person might um, do have a colonial contradiction that's different um, than uh, an African person. So, and in that way, the way those two people relate to each other are going to be slightly mm-hmm. different because of those colonial contradictions. And so, I think that's why it's going to take, you know, individualized uh, cultural cohesion amongst different uh, ethnic groups. And then once once that is achieved, then we can all come together and be like, okay, like we all got our we all got our group stuff together. Okay, let's go. Um, Because I I think a lot of times we, we want to jump the gun and be like, oh, no, like we're all working towards the same thing. But I think historically you got to look at, you know, we all haven't been through the same thing. We've been through similar things. Yes. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I would say, you know, chattel slavery in America is, uh, that's an experience, a generational experience that, you know, African people have endured uh, for generations. And so that is not, um, that's going to manifest differently in us than in other ethnic groups. And I think we got to take that kind of stuff into consideration when wanting, when seeking to work together. Um, Because, yes, we all are colonized, but like 
you know, it, it, it's slightly different variations of colonization. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm not one to like, I never want to play oppression Olympics. Like, oh, you're more oppressed <laughs> than me. You're not, you're my, it's like, it, it's not really about that. It's just like, historically, yeah. it's different. It, it's different. And we got to really recognize that. And then I think once we recognize that, and like I said before, just do some reading, some really in-depth scholarly reading. And um, really, because the other the other reason I want to stress reading is because I think education, uh, yeah. we really take for granted what a good education is. And I think a lot of times we're putting to these education systems that have um, or that center white modalities and that is to our detriment. <laughs> and mm-hmm. a lot of the times you you have to really do the work of knowing your culture before before taking any further steps. And a lot of time a lot of people don't really understand um, their own culture and uh, even me included, like there, there's stuff I still don't know and I'm still growing in. Um, but it, it's gonna take that in order to have a good foundation in order to be like, okay, our group, we good. Okay, let let's go and work as a collective, um, and tackle these issues together. Now that we all know what we each are about, because um, it's all about standards, man. Every every group yeah. has to have like a certain set of standards and rules because you know, <laughs> you know, because of the colonial contradictions, sometimes that manifests in people selling out their own people. And uh, as unfortunate as it is, like, we have to understand that and recognize the reality that that is and, you know, handle it accordingly. Exactly. Well, I was a, you answered my, my, my very broad question in such a really powerful and insightful way. I totally agree. It always, personally, for me, the, the thing that you, you said that resonated most with me was self-knowledge, you know, like, who am I really? Like, where do I come from? What can I do in my immediate moment to, you know, make my immediate world a better place, the world of my family, a better environment. And from there, like starting. And I also love what you said about working with other colonized groups, because it's it's so true. And, you know, I, 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 I saw it in college when I was when I was in college. Um, I was very involved in the Latinx community, like Latinx activism and those cultural organizations. And it was it was crazy how hard it was. Like I was part of the Mexican group and uh, like the Mexican Association of Students and uh, OLA, which was like a general um, Latinx group for countries that weren't represented at, at Boston College, which is where I went to study and which is majorly white, uh, like 90 percent uh, Caucasian. Um, and it was it was really interesting to see how even within our own group of, of Latinx people, it was hard to to create an event together um, and like Dominicans, uh, Cubans, uh, Mexicans, it, w- it took a lot of effort, not because we didn't want to, but because we had to, again, like you were saying, set standards to um, work towards a, a collective goal that we all shared. Um, yeah. And I found that some of the most successful events uh, that we put on at, at BC or that Latinx organizations put on at BC was when we worked with organizations uh, like black uh, organizations um, uh, or, or Asian organizations, you know, Asian focused mm-hmm. organizations. Um, and so if we can replicate that in a, you know, in a national level, then I think, I think that's really powerful. And I really, I really like that idea that we can do it. Cause at the end of the day, we're all, we're all human. <laughs> that's like below the, 
identities that we like like to hold or like not even like to hold that society shapes us with and that and that we have to mold ourselves with sometimes to survive and to deal in, and live in society like i feel that we forget sometimes that we are at least that's what i think that we are we we exist below that level of identity and in this place where um we are not just the color of our skin when we are not just our socioeconomic status when we are not just you know what we like what we dislike when we are like when we are the universe you know when we are cosmic dust when we are a one um literally like we look at ourselves at a macroscopic a microscopic level then it's it's very hard to say that you and i are not one one thing and from that one thing arises a, a, a spectrum of multiplicity and diversity and beauty that we have to learn to live with and to learn to love and accept for what it is because uh, anything else is insanity i think um, and so thank you for, for saying that and for, for, uh, for that, that really revealing answer. Um, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to talk to you too about, about, well, how we met, honestly, uh, we met through the gold program, the Academy gold mm -hmm. program that was created by the, the Academy, the Oscars basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and cause we're both filmmakers and we're both writers and so I'm just really interested in hearing more about your filmmaking journey, um, how you got started, when you when you decided, or I mean, you, maybe you're still deciding. Like storytelling is for me, um, and and that purpose that become that came along with it, maybe if there was any, of 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 yeah, of telling stories uh, on the big screen or on the, on the medium screen, I guess from the TV, <laughs> TV phones, yeah, yeah every, everything so uh, has been reduced to size now that you know most theaters aren't, uh, yeah. most theaters are shutting down now. It's crazy. Yeah, um, that's, oh, that's terrible. I'm it, 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 <laughs> I know. I you know personally, I just got to throw this out there. I still want to see Candyman in theaters, the new Candyman. Yes, that's. Uh, I still hope I can, but you know, push comes to shove. Seems like every uh, you know movie company is putting things on like video on demand. So mm -hmm. I'll see it one way, but I would love to see it in theaters because oh, God, it's just so much. Anyway, sorry, sidebar. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's it's, it's, true. it's part it's part of it's part of this this conversation. <laughs> yeah, so I would say um, I really started with filmmaking. You know, I really wanted to be an actor at first back when mm. I was a kid. Um, you know, back when I was super young, I wanted to be an actor. I was like, oh, I want to be an actor. I want to be an actor. But then that kind of like died off slowly as like, oh, I need a real career and stuff. So <laughs> in high school, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a lawyer because I love to debate people. Um, but then uh, my friend in uh, high school, she was getting into acting and she kind of, it kind of like sparked my interest again. And so I started filming myself doing these skits. I did an acting competition. Um, yeah, and I did a play too. And then I realized doing those skits and stuff like, oh, I really like doing this behind the scenes stuff um, and everything that goes into it. So I was like, oh, filmmaking is for me. Um, and then I went to undergrad, uh, Hofstra University uh, in Long Island, New York for, um, for filmmaking and you know produced a few films, uh, directed a couple of films, directed and wrote a couple of films and uh, yeah, then I worked in the industry just for a couple of years, and uh, then I came out to L.A. for grad school for uh, what was initially producing. I thought I wanted to be a producer because uh, I have a very good organizational mindset, 
Um, but then I realized uh, after the first semester, I was like, man, I don't want to just like make other people's stuff. I want to make my stuff. Uh, and yeah. that's kind of that's kind of what prompted me to uh, switch. So I uh, it was kind of like a semester process of me switching to directing. And um, I had to like re-enroll uh, from the beginning. But I feel like to me, it's been so worth it because um, I feel like even in the semester or two semesters I've been in the directing program, I feel like I've grown a lot um, just by being able to create projects. Like I finally made a horror short, um, which, um, you know, I'm very new to the horror genre, but, you know, I, I still, I have such a love for it after, you know, Get Out and Us and everything. And I've really done my research into getting into those things. Um, and so, yeah, I think my first horror short, it's pretty good. I know what I need to work on uh, for the future. Um, but I think I've always had this foundational love for like action comedies. So like, and that goes back to like anime, Power Rangers, all that. And so I think my journey right now is really just my whole mantra uh, as a creator, as a storyteller is to really, I really want to bridge the gap between like live action films and Japanese anime. Uh, Cause I think there's mm -hmm. a stylistic component that I've always been enamored with, with Japanese anime. And I want to incorporate that into live action and, you know, I feel like people have done it uh, before, but it's never become like, I feel like the directors who've done it, like for instance, like Edgar Wright, he has a very kind of like quick style that is very reminiscent of anime and even uh, Stephen Chow, I hope I'm saying his name right, uh, with like Kung Fu Hustle and Shaolin Soccer, um, you know, they, they have a very like quick, you know, animated kind of style, but it's, it's in live action films. Yeah. Uh, and so I kind of want to uh, incorporate that into my own filmmaking style and uh, see where that takes me. But yeah, man, you know, I want to go back to one thing you said. You said uh, if I still wanted to be a storyteller, because I, I think in, with everything going on recently this summer, it, um, and even the past year, I've just been thinking about, man, like maybe I should like change what I'm doing again. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I really want to tell stories, but like, couldn't I be helping out people in a different way, like with volunteer work, non-for-profit work, um, social justice work, et cetera, et cetera. And I think um, the conclusion I've come to and that I'll probably stick with for the remainder of my life, hopefully, is that um, I think I'll always just be a storyteller at heart and that you can, with any action you do, you can kind of, it can be radicalized into being for your culture and for your people. And um, I think as long as you have a good foundation, you know, everything you do can be can be revolutionary in a way. And so that's kind mm. of my the conclusion I came to. Um, and I think there I, I still have a lot of searching to do in terms of the modalities in which my filmmaking will live so as to not, um, you know, sacrifice my values. Um, yeah. yeah. But I think as I had to come to that decision on my own um because there was a point in time like even was it three or four years ago i was just like you know what if i don't make it as a filmmaker if i don't get an oscar by like 30 <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna like quit filmmaking and i'll just commit my life to like social justice work and i, I was really gung ho on that and I, I think at the point i was back then it was a a factor to motivate me to like okay just keep hustling just keep hustling just keep hustling um but i gotta say man like I still got the hustle, but, you know, I, I had to find a way to create um, long, long-term endurance for what will be a marathon, what will be a journey. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think 
you know, allowing myself to slow down and be like, no, like you can do all of this. You don't have to put a time limit on things and just, I had to uh, really define what my, my version of success is. And uh, I think it's still being defined in a way that, uh, that incorporates my value system, but, but yeah, man, that's a, that's kind of my, my whole (laughs) filmmaking journey uh, for right now. So (laughs) no, thank you for sharing. Uh, yeah, it's like it's like you said, man. You really realize when you're when you are in that industry, when you're working in it, and when you're learning from people who are, you know, who have let's say made it, you know, won an Oscar, and like it's always so interesting to to talk to them and, and them saying like it's not a race. Like it, the reason I'm here is because I was one of the few that didn't give up, you know, that, that kept running and that kept growing uh, amidst all the challenges. And so, um, and I also it's. I found with my own, and I really resonate with this, what you said about like storytelling, there's a, a, there's a wide variety of telling of, uh, there's a wide way of telling stories that can make an impact and that can, um, revolutionize, you know, whatever, whatever it is, the, the world that you want to change. Um, like even with something as simple, I've been really, uh, learning more about design and, you know, how do you design a building so that it's, you know, harmonious with the people that are living in it to enter it to, for it's, for it to be like, uh, useful and conserve energy or even the design of an application. Like you're telling stories in all these different ways that, like you said, has an impact and can revolutionize, um, uh, that immediate, um, need that needs to be met. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and so I think that's, it's very true. And, you know, I, I loved when you too, when you said, uh, when you talked a bit about your style in filmmaking, because what's remind me of the, of the name of the film that you directed, where it's like the three Kung Fu, like warriors, it's on Amazon. Oh, uh, Funk Force. Yeah. Funk yeah. Force. Yeah. Funk Force. <laughs> like I, I saw that and I loved it because it, it's exactly what you just described as well. And it, I hadn't seen anything like it before. And I think you did a really fantastic job with it and and <laughs> yeah and i'm also a huge huge fan of, of anime um i'm more of a i don't know if this is the right term but more of like a vanilla anime uh, uh viewer in the sense that I, my focus like rests solely on like studio ghibli films um oh, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> yeah yeah but uh even that like animation just as a whole like uh I was I was entering this like movie depression phase where I didn't really want to watch movies anymore, where I wasn't motivated to watch them, um, and which was not great as a, as a filmmaker or an aspiring filmmaker where that happens. Um, and then I I saw a Studio Ghibli movie. I think it was Kiki's Delivery Service or something. Oh wow. yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, and it just opened my mind up to to everything that a story can be without restrictions, you know, because I feel like filmmaking as a, a, if you really want to get into it as a director or writer or whatever producer, there's so many constrictions that you have in the, in the creation process. Cause if you write one sentence as if you're a writer, like somebody has to make that somebody has to act that. Um, but in, in, in animation, it's just, you can really explore whatever worlds you want to, or even novel writing as well. So that's something that personally I've also been struggling uh, with of uh, even, even more during this pandemic time where like productions are 
like like even yours like that production that you did is almost like remarkable of because it's so unheard of or rare or very challenging <laughs> to do yeah. um um finding ways to you know keep that creativity alive and and free uh, i think that there's so much power in 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 freedom but also in constraints uh, choosing your constraints where it doesn't limit your your freedom of, to create um and, and and so i'm also this this is also bringing to mind something a very powerful technique that you shared with me um uh, called uh, well technique practice um called energy work or shiyong which is a form of energy work mm-hmm. um and i'm just really uh, want to hear more about that you know how did you come across shiyong and i'm i don't know if i'm saying it right but how has it impacted your life that that energy work and what would you say to to someone who's very skeptical about it um and he's like oh and she or she, he or she may be like no that's not true like don't talk to me about that that's just woo woo mysticism like what would you tell I would, them i would yeah. say it, it's very uh real like i think i got introduced to qigong through my cousin and my cousin is a, a martial artist um you know he does he does a lot of things like he's always running full throttle all the time and he told me about it because he knows I'm always hustling too. It's like, listen, like if you want more energy, like you <laughs> should do you should do these qigong things. And I'm like, uh, what is that? That sounds like honestly, first first gig, I was like, what is this? This video looks weird. This can never give me more energy. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and then I watched the video and uh, and I followed along. And you know that day, I I had more energy, and I was like, man, this is. This is, Cause I don't drink coffee either. <laughs> I've, I've, just, I've never liked the taste of coffee. Uh, I feel like it makes my heart want to burst. Um, <laughs> and so doing the qigong, I was like, man, I, it feels like I'm on coffee, but without the like taste I don't like, and then without like my heart pounding all the time. And um, I think from then on, I because when was that? That was like two years ago. Yeah, 2018. Yeah, I was like 2018. He told me about that, and then gradually what i've done is i've slowly incorporated qigong into like my daily routine so whereas now i really don't go a day without doing a qigong exercise and i have like a whole playlist of you know exercise qigong exercise to follow along because there's so many on youtube from oh okay you want to like cleanse and purge your body okay you can do that or if you want to um stress relief here's this one uh, and I think what's fantastic about it is that it's really basic in principle because all you're doing is really just stretching and breathing. But I think a lot of times we're not doing that consciously. We're letting our bodies just, you know, breathe normally, you know, to survive. But that oxygen really, when it hits your bloodstream, you're doing that deep breathing with uh, mm-hmm. with the videos. It you're you're adding a whole new level of energy to yourself. And I feel like for me. It helps me calm down, um, you know, and it's a great way to start my day because, okay, like, I know I have a million things to do today. And, um, yeah, when I do it, it's like, okay, like, I can slow down. I don't have to go a million miles a minute. I can knock off one thing at a time. Um, and no pressure, no big deal. And I'll even say this. During the film um, that I just did, mm-hmm. I was so stressed out. I was so stressed <laughs> out because uh, – you know, I was, you know, directing, producing and writing this script and making this film and I had to do it on such a short time span. I was like, OK, there's there's no time to do anything like I, I just got to go, 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 go. But what I found was that I was spending so much time worrying about different things that 
you know, I was sacrificing my routine for that. And I think what I've learned, this whole film process taught me is like never sacrifice your routine. Like mm. that's what I've learned from this. And like, um, I think a lot of people should really take that to heart. I think a lot of people just have different routines, but like Qigong is definitely a part of my routine um, from here on out because it j- it's just such a good way to start my day. It calms me down and it energizes me. And um, yeah, you know, you're supposed to stretch your body. You're not supposed to sit down for like eight hours. Yeah. So <laughs> like, I feel yeah. like it's, 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 it's healthy. It's health and it's health and it's wellness. So, so yeah. Yeah, our bodies are, I watched a whole video about how our bodies are are made to move, like literally designed to like walk and move about. And that's something I've been really struggling with this pandemic. It's like taking that time, like every hour, like standing up, doing some Shiyong, like doing some, um, what's it, knocking on the gate of heaven, whatever that. Oh yeah, is. knocking on the door of life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like that, it, that almost like swirl you're doing with your arms. Oh yeah. And, and uh and it really it really I mean yeah I can I completely agree. It also has helped me out tremendously. Um I think something that I I I don't know if it's just my my own mental handicap, but I felt that it got to a point where I wasn't and I'm really uh, I want to hear more like asking for your advice on this. I, I felt I wasn't uh, maybe I was doing the same practice too many times, but the the feeling I got wasn't the same as it used to be, almost as if my body had come adjusted to it. Mm. Um, and then I, I, so I started doing more yoga, um, which I, again, it's, it's another form of energy work. Um, um, and maybe perhaps there was more movement there, but I don't know if that ever has happened to you, or maybe it was because I was just doing too much of the same thing. Yeah, I think for me, that's why I tell you, I have a playlist of all these different <laughs> different Qigong <laughs> exercises because um, I will, you know, I think it's just like, it's good to just switch stuff up um, yeah. because some of the exercises, uh, the Qigong videos are more rigorous than the other ones. And so, and some of them are like 20 minutes, some are like seven minutes, some are like 30 minutes. And I'm like, some days I want to do a seven minute one, some days I want to do a 20 minute one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really just choose the video based on my mood. And I think that is... Because there, there was a point where I was just watching the same video over and over and following along, and I did feel like I was stagnating. And I was like, okay, I'm getting the benefits, but I'm not getting the enjoyment out of it anymore. Mm. And I think switching it up really helped bring back the enjoyment. Um, and, you know, because I feel like the different exercises I have in my playlist, like they're... You know, there's ones that really stretch your lower back, your upper back, your uh, your legs. There's more that there's some that are like more like squat based. Um, and so yeah. it really I think it just helped me keep like maintain, you know, the, the routine of Qigong is like being able to switch it up a little bit here and every every now and then. So, yeah, no, absolutely. And um, I think something you brushed upon too that I wanted to bring up as well is the power of oxygen, the power of breath. Um, it's it's crazy. I was reading this book literally called Breath uh, by James Nestor, and I highly recommend it, man. It, it honestly it changed my life. It changed the way because I suffer a lot of from allergies and my nose being blocked and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this book is basically the history of breathing of of humankind uh, from the very beginning. Uh, to how our bodies have evolved and and suffered because of the industrial revolution and our nose is becoming smaller and how people mm. people in the in the in like for example there was um, 
uh, this man who uh, I don't know the time specific 1800s. I, I want to say when 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 there were still plenty of of Native American tribes uh, in in like living their communities like in peace almost. Um, and he basically this man uh, went to all of these communities, uh, all these tribes in the U.S. And all of them had like perfect teeth, perfect. Uh, they were extremely healthy, extremely uh, strong, and they all attributed their their power, I guess, in, in health um, to their breathing. Like um, uh, there's this thing where uh, most of people are mouth breather breathers, and apparently that's like really terrible for your system. And so in, in these and most of these tribes in, in, in Native American tribes, uh, they told. They, they taught their, their children to not breathe through their mouth since they were, since they were babies, literally. Like they trained them for, for them to always breathe through their nose. Um, and obviously there's, and that, you know, it's why they were, all, were always very healthy. It wasn't the food they were eating. It was the way they were breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually did a, a Wim Hof like breathing session yesterday, like a guided one. And it's basically like this, I don't know if you've heard of it, but this very like ancient, like Buddhist technique uh, adapted to like Western times, I guess, to recent times, not Western times. Um, and I'll, I'll, let me tell you, like when I was done doing that practice, I felt like I was like on acid or something. Um, and it was all just breathing. It was just, uh, uh, they call it circular breathing. And it got me to this point where all my stress faded away, all my um, anxieties just melted. And it was just really, I, I had tremendous sleep, you know. Yeah, you got um, to send that to me. That sounds interesting. Yeah, I will. Yeah, it's it's a guy. His name is Chuck McGee. So Wim Hof is, is this madman, uh, like beautiful madman, this Viking almost, who basically discovered this, rediscovered this technique, uh, old technique called Tumo. The, the Buddhists called it Tumo. Uh, of breathing uh, in order to um, override the parasympathetic nervous system and to immediately trigger, uh, I'm sorry, to override the sympathetic nervous system and to trigger the parasympathetic nervous system automatically, uh, which so many people thought, so many scientists of today believe that it's impossible, you know, to override those systems. But with this type of breathing, you can do that um, and immediately shape shift the way you think throughout the rest of the day. Anyway, that's, that's another <laughs> conversation for another time, but uh, I'll definitely send you that. Um, and I think it just goes to show, you know, the power of energy, the power of breathing um, and the power of introspection as well. I feel like we've been talking a lot about self-awareness and, yeah. and, and knowledge and knowledge and developing that knowledge. Um, and so part of that, I wanted, I wanted to hear more about, I remember you shared this technique with me again, I, I love talking to you because I always learn something new uh, <laughs> about um, when you're writing um, before you're writing, you did this like very special thing almost with your characters that you're trying to write uh, that you learned from, from one of your mentors, right at the Academy. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, and it, you know, funny enough, that's actually part of my routine now, like my daily routine. I do the Qigong, I, I work out and then I, like, I write something (laughs) Uh, at least at least a page um and so i think you know part of that practice with getting into it is like really 
a lot of the times in in the world, I feel like you know, especially with social media and stuff, uh, it's always like go 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 go. But um, you know, this meditation exercise really helps me to be still and really helps me to connect to, you know, kind of like the essence. I feel like of what I I want to do with my script, and sometimes that's you know thinking about you know people in my life who have either passed away or passed on and you know channeling the the moods i felt when when i was with them in order to get myself into the mindset of being creatively um just being creative in general in order to write down the script because i think you know i was realizing i was doing i forgot what i was on i think i was on social media or something but you know there was this post of like don't wait for inspiration to hit you just write like just write mm-hmm. And that got me to like really remember that, you know, a lot of people wait for inspiration. And I got to say, like, I think, you know, sometimes inspiration does hit you in the most uncanny of places. But a lot of the times a great script comes from just like the work you put into it, like working, working. And I think um, for me, that's been um, that's the one that's the greatest thing my mentor like taught me is just like you know work on it daily like make it a part of your practice like you're a storyteller you're a writer um write so so just write and i think what's difficult for me uh in this whole process of writing or learning to become a better writer is that you know i'm always very critical of (laughs) my stuff like I, i think as i've gotten better at story analyzing i'm like oh like i think what i'm writing is crappy but I think I've, I've almost gotten to the point where now it's like, okay, just like take a deep breath, be still. And like, what, what if you just write it? And sometimes, you know, that requires me if I have like a page uh, already written and I know I need to edit the scene, sometimes I'll just like delete most of the page so that there's nothing else there. And I'm again, starting with the blank canvas, because for me, at least that gives me the space to like, okay, like, I don't have to worry about anything else I've written before. Like I'm, I'm creating something different. And I think that just yeah. helps with um, putting that creative inspiration on the page. Cause sometimes I want to keep what I've already written and I'm very like beholden to it. But um, writing has really just taught me to, to let go and improve and constantly improve. And I think the second part to that is that I've had a very good friend just reading my scripts after they're what I think they're completed and she's given me notes on the scripts and that's helped immensely because she really hones in on like okay then you need to work on this you like this is okay but like you can do better um and I think that's been the most helpful thing um in addition to the routine so yeah no that's that's awesome um it's it's all about just sitting down one of my mentors uh, almost said it it's like almost like blue collar work where you sit down and and you it's like you you're going to work almost um and man you know you do so personally like i do so much i've whatever it's, it's there's always the idea of beginner's mind and meditation but you have this like almost like expectation like oh i've meditated you know for pretty regularly for three years now like uh, these thoughts like will, won't bother me when I'm writing. It's almost like kind of like that spiritual arrogance that comes. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, it's been really humbling, really beautiful. Uh, lately, like you said, like every day writing something. It doesn't matter if it's just like one sentence or like a paragraph or a page. 
like I've been really trying to and and understanding that no matter <laughs> how much you've meditated that day or, you know, how much how evolved you think you are spiritually, um, the thoughts may still come regardless of that. And it's about like managing that and working past it. And like you said, letting go, just flowing like I was it's crazy. I was writing. I was really I was not having a good morning today. Um, I was like what's going to happen to my life? Like I was so close in moving to LA. Um, and now I have to find a job here in Costa Rica where the market is very limited and it's not, I don't think I'm going to find a job um, that I'm really passionate about. And you know how the thoughts always are in your head, like rambling yeah. about and not helpful at all. And then I, I was like, oh, fuck it. I just, I'll, I'll write about it. Um, and <laughs> I've been writing constantly for the past month or like three weeks, I'd say like this, uh, a novel that I'm working on. And it was not nearly the same enjoyment or release that I had when writing this, um, this like rant in, in, in my, in my, that I had on the page, just like <laughs> not caring, not caring about it was nobody was going to read this. Like it was just me and just flowing. And before I knew it, I had like two pages um and, and as opposed to when i read whenever i'm writing the story that i'm writing it's like if i have a paragraph done like that's a good day um yeah. and so, <laughs> so it's like or even screen screenwriting it's like if you have like half a page or a page like that's a that's a good day yeah. um um so i really appreciate you bringing that up and because it helps me remember like it's just let go do the work and and with no expectations right because yeah and i think sometimes what helps me is that um you know i've been working on a pilot script right now and i'm also a half hour pilot and i've also been working on like just a short film script that you know i probably won't ever make or you know i had initially planned to make it and it was going to be just a short action scene but you know covid hit and you know Mm -hmm. i couldn't during the semester and so i was like oh okay like let me just improve it and make it a better script. Um, and I think swapping back and forth between the two scripts really helps because sometimes you just need a break, but you got to still do the work. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So doing a, a script that has a totally different vibe from, you know, the pilot I'm, I'm doing it, it's, it helps me. It just helps me be creatively engaged with it. And I, I think that has made me love the process of writing even more where I'm like not stuck on just one thing. Um, I'm doing multiple, writing multiple things and, you know, each needs their own workshopping. But yeah, I think it just helps too. Yeah. And I think also reading, you know, reading scripts helps yeah. out tremendously. And just before we move on to that, I... I, I'm, you were talking about notes and how useful that process is. And I think that's something that a lot of writers struggle with, with, you know, sharing the work and, and being able to take those notes in order to, to listen to them, listen to what they think is right, what they, and ignore maybe what they think is not right. But I feel that's how I've grown so much as a writer personally, like, like the notes you gave me on the script that I wrote, uh, like I always dreamed. Like those are amazing notes and I learned so much about the characters and about the story. And I don't think I would have if I had not shared it with you. Right. Like it's, uh, it's having that humility and openness to be like, what does that person think? Like maybe uh, he or she has a different perspective on it 
that can really make this work. Because uh, that's also something that's really beautiful about fil the film and, you know, the creative life in general is, I think, collaboration with others, right? Yeah. Like that, that feeling on set when you're talking to your DP, when you're talking to your costume designer, when you're talking to the actor, and it's that immediacy of like, we're all in this together, which um, I think the world needs a bit more of lately, right? I, I agree. I think, um, you know, even being on the set of, uh, you know, the film I just did, it was, it was just great to be with other creatively minded people and, you know, they would tell me, okay, th this doesn't really work. So like, you got to switch it up a bit. And so <laughs> that, that helps me. Cause I'm just kind of like, I'm like, go, 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 go. Like we, we got, we got to get this done. We're on a time crunch. Um, but having other people's inputs, uh, it just helped. I think it just made the project better. Um, and yeah, I think I just had a really good team, a solid team, a dedicated team of, of people this round. So I'll always be forever grateful for that. So does, no, when collaboration will come back um, yeah. in, in large scale form, but yeah. I, I feel, you know, I feel like this, what we're doing right now is all, almost collaboration in a way. Um, it's, it's learning from each other, learning stories. And we're at the end of the day, it's, it's, a, it's a creative project that we're both embarking on. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll be in charge of editing it and stuff. But like in this moment right now, we're both creating something um with or with like i was saying like the stories are are the wisdom that we've acquired the wisdom that we've acquired over the years <laughs> um um and it's it's so subtle you know i think we really it's about paying attention to you know about those like little moments of collaboration that we maybe take for granted you know like we 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 expect to collaborate with our health you know department even though we we don't really like on one-on-one, -on -one. maybe this is just a, a failed metaphor that I'm trying to justify now, but, but you know, that, that, that collaboration, it's, I think at the very essence of what, what we do, what we all do as human beings. Mm -hmm. um, and I was going to tell you some, ask you something. Oh yeah. You were talking about this being mm -hmm. on set. And I really wanted to ask you, like, if you struggle with, cause I, you know, I consider you such an open and giving and, and we all have different perspectives for different people, but that's my, that's my perspective. <laughs> you were so open uh in giving and and you know like very self-aware and very like i don't feel like you like are always like there's people who are like in it to win it and not saying that you're not that but like you're in it to win it in a very harmonious and kind way like helping people along the way um so i'm i'm, I'm wondering like if you ever struggle with with ego um and if you do like how do you navigate that 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 comparison that the ego loves to do or you know that all the challenges that the ego presents to to us when we're doing the creative work yeah i think um wow yeah that's such a, a deep question because uh you know i i think as a creator um you know especially with so much content being out there it, it's mm. it's difficult to not to not compare myself to other, you know, black filmmakers. And I think, um, you know, it, it's been a definitely tumultuous road with me, you know, even building my self-confidence as a creator, be like, no, like you, you do have a different perspective. You do have stories worth telling. And I think where I've kind of like, where I'm at the road with that is that I, I think I kind of just, hmm, what's the best way to put it? 
I, I think I'm at this place where I have, or I am building up the confidence in myself to like, okay, like you, you are enough as a storyteller. Like you, I think I trust myself to do the work now. I think that's, mm. um, cause you know, I, I, especially this past project, it's like, okay, like, I was I was asking my friends, um, okay, like, does this script work? Like, what can I change? And I think even my mentality behind that is that I could have literally just like, okay, like, you know, I'm doing the film. I know I can, I know I'm good already. Like, let me just make the film and it'll be done. But I knew that with such a short deadline, and even in general, even if the deadline was longer, I want my films to resonate with people. And mm who better to give me feedback than the people I want to watch the film. (laughs) And and so I think framing it that way and framing it as if like, you know, I'm coming in with my cards on the table and I, I want your help to make this the best story possible. I think that helps me just have a good frame of reference because if the people I, I send the script to like the film, if, the people I tell the idea to like are resonating with the idea, like the log line. And I'm like, okay, I'm on the right path. Hmm. And then it's up to me to like do the work, make sure the film is, uh, is, you know, up to snuff. And that requires me to, you know, do my directorial prep notes, you know, stop writing after the script is completed, do the director notes, making sure all the producerial elements are, are put together. And I think, because I, I trust myself even more now more than ever to do the work, I think there, I think, you know, once a film is finished, like even the film I just finished, I think I don't ever, I don't want to look at it for a while. <laughs> I, I feel like I, I always end up not liking what I, what I make, but, you know, I think there's always room for improvement. There's always room. Mm-hmm. And so as long as I, you know, if someone gives me notes on the film uh, when they watch it, like, eh, I think this could have been a bit better, then I'll make things better. Like even the horror film, one of my professors at Chapman, she was just like, you know, you did a really good job with this, but you needed more coverage. And so I took that really to heart and I was like, okay, I'm going to make sure I get the coverage with this new film. And I got a lot of, <laughs> I got a lot of coverage um, that is uh, not ended up, that isn't wound up being in the final uh, product, the final edit of the film. And I think with Ego Man, I think you just really have to, um, sometimes it's, it's a balance. It's all a balancing act, man. Like I, I feel you really have to, you have to have the self-confidence in yourself to know like, you are you you are good at what you do are you are enough um but also the humility to understand like you can be better and Mm. so one of my mantras is always like be the best at getting better and you know i may Mm -hmm. not be the best but like i'm gonna sure be the best at like outworking you uh, <laughs> you try to outwork me. I'm gonna try to outwork you, and you know. Are you trying to Are you trying to fight with me right now, Desmond? Are we gonna Are we gonna uh, compare how much we outwork each other and and? <laughs> but but see, I think for me, I've always been a very no. But you're right. You're right. You're totally right. I, I've been I, like I've been since since birth. I've just always been a competitive person, mm-hmm. and you know, there comes a point where competition is toxic but i think there's always a place for healthy competition that uh, where everyone can uplift one another because we want we want to be the best we can be and um 
I don't want to be the best Fernando. I want to be the best Desmond. Exactly. And so I'm going to, like, like I said before, just put in the work to make sure I'm doing the best I can be. And, uh, you know, maybe that means working harder than you. Maybe, maybe like I fall short, but as long as I know at the end of the day, I'm doing my best. I think for me, that's all that, that really matters at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think that, that I love that mantra, the be the best at getting at like I working uh, you in, in that sense, because it's very, it doesn't depend on another person to define that value, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, it's like, how can I, it's almost like, how can I uh, beat, uh, like out, outdo myself, you know, me, like, how can I become a better uh, practitioner or a better writer? And, and in that process, it's, it's very self-oriented, not in an egotistical way at all. It's just like, how can I be better without, and, and not necessarily like, focusing on other people. It's, it's more about like, how can I improve my processes? And I'm going to be the best at doing that and, and um, be happy with what comes. Um, and, and I think that you have to be, you know, especially in the, in the film industry, like you have to be competitive uh, in some ways. Like you have to have that spirit of like innovation and, and trying on, you see something in another person's film, like, oh, wow, he did that or she did that. I can do better than that, you know? It's not yeah. even like, a, it's not even a, like an, an arrogant statement. It's just like a, almost like a dare, like a fun dare for yourself. Like, oh, I, I feel like I can do something better. Um, and I think something that's, I love your perspective on this too, because it's, it's one I share as well, where it's, we're, we're competing, but it's, we have to remember at the end of the day that we're just, dancing you know it's not it's not as life or death as we think it is or as like um like i'm better than you or and and today and you're better than me tomorrow it's more of like it's more of a game we're all playing like oh like cool you're 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 better than me right now and let's see if i can beat you next time but kind of that that um what's the word come it's not camaraderie but that's that spirit of like chivalry you know that chi chivalry mm -hmm. spirit of 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 uh, yeah just playing along and having fun and growing and not i think it all goes down to not taking yourself too seriously yeah. but also knowing what your worth is and and the goals that you want to accomplish and 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 the, exactly and I, yeah. I think knowing what you want to accomplish and having standards because i think yeah. that's one thing that you know i try not to sacrifice with my filmmaking is like having standards mm -hmm. um now that because i've been doing more reading and i i know better now than what i did months ago then it's like okay like you know better so do, so do better like hold myself up to that higher standard and uh make sure you know, anything I'm putting across, uh, putting out in like the present day is aligning with those values, um, which is why like with, uh, I'm so curious to see what people think with, you know, this, this new short film, because I really, I feel like I put a lot of my own values, even with just within a short minute, even though I may not agree entirely, you know, with like the, the institutions of the military and air force, um, I, I still wanted to put in me, and I'm curious how that comes across to people <laughs> when they watch it. Because, uh, uh, I think it'll, I think it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm curious what the feedback will be. So, yeah, well, I'm sure it's gonna. I, I have, I see it in my mind's eye. It's gonna be fantastic. It's gonna be wonderful. Um, it's gonna be the best 
one minute film you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't know about that. It, it, like, like I said, I, I don't like anything I make after I make it. It's just like even Funk Force, like I'm surprised people still like the, the film. <laughs> because in my opinion, it's like I just see all my like undergrad film school mistakes and um I think uh, I'm glad people still like the story, but in my head, it's just like, I can do so much better now. And I was still learning when I made that film. Like I had no idea how yeah. to do action sequences or visual effects. And um, I really, I was telling someone else this the other day. I feel like when, when going to film school, just really throw yourself into the fire. And like, if you really want to like make a, a sci-fi with all these visual effects, like do it. And mm. you know you're you're gonna learn. You know it may not be the best sci-fi film, but um, you're you gotta you you'll be doing the best film you could be. So I think you know Funk Force. It's I don't know. It's not the best like black superhero film, um, but I think you know I did what I could with the means uh, that I had back then. So I'm so glad exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 exactly exactly what you said. We're we're always learning. We're always learning and yeah, we're never going to maybe reach perfection, but in that, that attempt to, to that trying, that intention, I think that's everything, you know, it's, it's sitting down to write, knowing that it might not be perfect, but that intention of sitting down and writing, I think that's what makes or break, makes or breaks, um, uh, that's not a right grammar. <laughs> that's what, that's what defines someone um uh whether whether they they advance or they succeed you know and whatever measure of success means to you but it's 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 aiming striving for that always keeping an open mind and always understanding that it's going to be a learning process and that it's and i love your mantra it's we have to be the best at at um Outworking you in the sense that, well, what was it? What, tell, remind oh, me again. Yeah, I, I said, be the best at getting better. That that's pretty much. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, there we go. I, yeah, that's that's perfect. Um, and so, Desmond, thank you so much for for being on here. Um, it's always so so inspiring to talk to you. Um, um, in so many different aspects of my life, you know, um, career, artistic, personal, and so. I'm really grateful that you had the time, the chance and the time to to be on, man. Yeah, thank you for having me, man. This has uh, been a joy. Um, I hope people got something out of it. You know, I feel like I just I have all these crazy perspectives. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'm sure they will. Um, and just before we wrap up, is there something you want to pub? You're, you're obviously we're going to link your your short film once it's out, but anything else that, uh, and also Funk Force, but anything else you want to share, your Instagram, whatever? Yes, uh, I am in the midst of rebranding, um, <laughs> but continue <laughs> to follow me at my Instagram, at Funk Force Film, and uh, hopefully I'll have a new or more social media handles. I'm also on Twitter, but I don't ever post on Twitter. I never tweet. <laughs> Um, so it's at Desmond underscore LJ. If you really want to follow my once in a blue moon tweet, um, <laughs> but that's pretty much, oh, and also I'm on Fiverr. If you want to have a script you want to analyze, you want me to analyze, give you feedback on, I'm on Fiverr. I think it's like DJ scripts on Fiverr. Um, but yeah, other than that, man, that's a, that's all I got. I'm not on social. I try not to be on social media too much, but you know, it always sucks, sucks me back in. Yeah, no, but that's great. And yeah, honestly, 
go on Fiverr if you have a script. Desmond gives the best notes. Uh, he helped me out tremendously with my own story. And so um, awesome, man. Thank you so much for being here. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Yeah, most definitely. Thanks for having me. And the real world is not an idea. It is not words. Reality is...